What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. The Chicago Bears dominate the Houston Texans in a 36-7 beatdown that featured everything, offense, defense, and special teams working as we expected it to before the season started. I bring on WCG's boss man, Lester Wiltfong, to talk through it all with me on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And today I've got the boss himself, Lester Wiltfong, joining me off of a surprising and exciting Chicago Bears Sunday where the Bears were in no uncertain terms dominant over, you can't call them the rival Houston Texans, but I think you'd agree, Lester, there's a little bit of blood in the water when it comes to Chicago and Houston over Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, and the quarterbacks that play under center. Well, today, I'll lead, because I don't even want to give you a word before I come out and say, Mitchell Trubisky, up until the Bears were winning 33-7, to which, if I could be honest, that's about all I care about. Like, I don't really care what happened after the game was out of hand for the Texans, was nothing short of ideal in this Bears offense. He was using his legs to avoid pressure. I saw him actually cut up through a couple of pressure lanes and force a draw and dump that, sure, he missed the throw, but he had more pocket sense than I've seen him in a little bit. He was on time with all of his throws. Almost all of them were accurate to the point where he was 17 for 20, 23 for something. I don't know. The point is, is that he was extremely accurate. He helped the Bears offense get up and down the field, and sure, the running game helped him out, but you can only play the players and the players and the teams in front of you and I thought Mitch did everything that he was asked to do today and would be remiss if I didn't tip my hat to him now Lester you can finally talk how are you yeah I'm I'm doing great Robert how you doing yeah I mean it was a great game by Mitch it was a great game plan I think there was a a a nice tweet earlier this week from Matt Bowen from ESPN who's one of the better film guys around and he said Mitch Trubisky's most success comes under center and when the Bears were able to run the ball a little bit and when he's able to run some play action stuff. And that's kind of the mix we saw today. They, they, uh, they had some rollouts, they had some boots, they had some play action. And, and this is the Mitch Trubisky who can, he can have some success. And, and you know, I, I don't want to get too negative here, but we also have to take into consideration that he was playing against a defense that literally has, has one defensive player in J.J. Watt and the rest of that Texan defense is, is atrocious. But Mitch's credit, he made the right decisions. You know, he was pretty safe with the ball for the most part. He, you know, he ran this offense. He executed the game plan, and that's what you want to see out of your quarterback, this, especially at this point in the game when, yes, the Bears are fighting for a playoff spot. 
A hundred percent. I mean, regardless of whether or not, I think it's kind of sad that in the AFC, you've got seven and five teams locked out of the playoffs. Whereas in the NFC, now a six and seven team that just fell on a six game losing streak is well within striking distance of that last last spot. That doesn't really matter. The Bears pushed all the chips in and here they are in December. And whether or not we've been kind of making fun of it, and frankly, even like I will totally own that I've been thinking offseason for the last two weeks now the Bears are technically playing meaningful December football at this point and that's all we're supposed to be asking for so I'm more than willing to just shut up and <laughs> ride along at this point because like you're talking about I spent the whole week talking about how this Houston defense was going to be a challenge because at least I could name JJ Watt and then I looked at their DVOA they're 27th in total defense the 25th in passing defense 26th in rushing defense and the Bears did have success in pretty much all phases David Montgomery started off with a cracker of an 80-yard touchdown run where he just looked I mean, he looked fabulous, and I can't wait to talk about him a little more. And then Mitch was successful in just about anything he tried to do. It doesn't really matter that Mitch was able to pretty much predetermine everything and the reads that he did make. He had two to three seconds in that first half off of rollouts where he could really stew on it and make his choice. He was efficient. He was effective. The Bears moved the football. And I don't want to put too many asterisks on a performance that, especially through the first half, I think he had over 140 quarterback rating. Like, there is... I totally agree with you. There's a time and a place to criticize. And no, this performance didn't suddenly make me think Mitch Trubisky is the franchise quarterback that the Bears need to hang on to. But in this game, he did his job in spades and was absolutely a driver for why the Bears were up so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the, the offense, you know, you, you can't just constantly do play action, constantly do rollouts and boots. You, you know, you have to mix it up a little bit. But, but I think what the Bears did in the first half is, is they had a nice balance. And, and, and the, of course, with, with the, the run game was, was affected with a huge run that, that, you know, that really got the Texans on their heels. You know, but even if the run game is not popping as, as like that, you know, you still got to go to it every now and again just to kind of give the defense something to think about and to give the quarterback a good feel when he does run that play action pass. You know, the, the, the true old school West Coast offense is what, you know, somebody that's always talked about. And, 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 and that's, that's part of what, what's built in is the boots and the rollouts is you want to have the quarterback to have those, those, those two-way goes, especially with an athlete like Trubisky. You know, you want to give him a chance where, he, you know, he has to play in front of him, only a, a one or two read play. And he also has the option to run. And we saw that with Trubisky a little bit. I mean, he's not the athlete like, like a guy like Jackson is in Baltimore, but he's a pretty damn good athlete. And he's able to make those plays with his feet on the move. And you just got to give him a few, a few chances each game to do that. Who knows? Is it Bill Lazor with the, with the changes? Is he the reason this offense happened today? Or is it more along like, like we talked about, just the Texans are just, uh, you know, atrocious. You know, I, I, I'll have to see more from the Bill Lazor type of offense as the, as, the, as the year moves on. But, you know, the Bears, you know, we talked about, they have some winnable games coming up here. And, you know, they have the Vikings, which is a team that's in front of them in, in the playoff spot. And then uh, with the Cardinals who have, you know, the Cardinals I'm looking at now, they have the, the Giants, of course, they beat today. Then you have the Eagles, Niners, Rams. So, you know, I don't see them, you know, you know beating all three of those teams. So as weird as it sounds, man, the, the Bears are in the playoff mix. Who knows?
Arizona's the dangerous one. And like you're yeah. talking about, they, who knows? The, the trouble with Arizona has been that they are the opposite of the Bears, in my personal opinion. The Bears are a team where you can kind of chalk it up to a win or a loss, and that doesn't mean we've all done so effectively. I thought the Texans were going to beat us, and I thought Tampa Bay was going to beat us earlier in the season. Wrong on both accounts. Uh, I also thought we were going to beat Los Angeles. That didn't happen either. So it's not that the Bears have been – like predictable but it's more that you generally get the idea in the start of the game how this thing's going to go and I feel like with Arizona they've got just gobs and gobs and gobs of offensive talent they're exactly the opposite in that fashion of the Bears and and who knows Kyler Murray can but all, not always does but not enough or but enough about Arizona one thing that is nice for Bears fans is that that question you asked is it laser is it Trubisky like what's going on well we should get a pretty good answer next Sunday against the Vikings and I don't want to hear any excuses either way if if Mitch does really really well I will be there to say he did really really well it's time for me to go back to the drawing board and figure out what happened but the Vikings are a top 10 defense according to DVOA right now. Detroit, 32nd in the league. Texans, 25th in the league. Green Bay, 20th in the league. Vikings, 9th. And this performance against Tampa Bay may drop them a little bit, but I just want to focus that this is a way better defense than Jacksonville or Green Bay or anybody else left on the schedule, so it's as good as we're going to get, and I'll take it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a really nice test for the Bears this coming up weekend. And, uh, you know, it's uh, as fans, it's like, you know, we're, we're all torn because, you know, we all look at this team as, you know, six straight losses. Okay. You know, right now we're, we're, we're trying to see what, what the best draft pick possibly can get. And then of course, you know, in typical bears fashion, you know, they came out and, they, and it's a huge win today. So now of course we're flipping it. Okay. Now it's back to the playoff mix. And I mean, honestly, as a fan, I mean, like I was on Twitter earlier today, I'm never going to root for my, my favorite team to lose. But in this type of situation, if they lose games, I'm okay with it. I was fine with it with, with the, the L last week against the Lions because, you know, we're talking about draft picks here. But, I mean, if they can win and win out, I mean, that's good. I mean, I'm still not sure what that says big picture as far as Nagy, Pace, Phillips. Um, but, but, I mean, that's, that's a bridge we'll cross when, it, when, it, when, it, when the time comes. Right. Like you're saying, it's this is the true catch-22 for Bears fans, right? So I'll go ahead and tell you, because I was kind of taking over on Twitter, about to do something on Windy City Gridiron. Glad I didn't, uh, because it would have yeah. been a one-week <laughs> series. But the tank... The tank train is off the rails. It's done. Yeah. This one win, as silly as that sounds, is going to make it very hard for us to get in front of Denver, get in front of Atlanta, get in front of Detroit, get in front of San Francisco, get in front of a lot of these teams, especially with Jacksonville still on our schedule, that could draft a quarterback or will draft a quarterback. You get enough of those in front of you, and you're already in the trade-up zone, and with only, at least in my opinion, four quarterbacks in uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance that are potential franchise guys, because I don't think Jones and Trask are that kind of guy, different conversation, that's mm-hmm. going to make it hard for the Bears to tank, because the whole point of tanking is to take a quarterback. If, if we're going to take an offensive tackle – the the situation changes but it's not a tank year you know like if we're drafting 13th you're not tanking so now we're back on the playoff train right like now it's playoffs (laughs) or bust but if the bears don't make the playoff or if the bears do make the playoffs i should have said do there 
they're not firing Ryan Pace or Matt Nagy, right? I mean, that'd be crazy uh. talk. Say Matt Nagy goes nine and seven. Like, say the Bears run the table and they beat a Jack- or Minnesota team that is as up and down as anybody in the league. They beat Jacksonville, who has literally one win, and then they beat the Packers backups, right? Let's say that happens. Now Matt Nagy's nine and seven. He's had two winning seasons and an eight and eight year. Do you fire him? I mean, I agree. There have been tons of issues in this <laughs> offense all season. I would never say that, like, you know, that that is the resume that has to be kept, but it's a hard one to fire, right? I mean, yeah. it's such a catch-22 for this season, you know? It's such a strange place as Bears fans is because this team is, you know, I mean, this, this team is, is, it is what it is. I mean, we, we know what kind of what's going on here. The offense has struggled all year you know has been pretty good for the most part of the year there some struggles the last few weeks but you know but I mean we have all been resigned to the fact that there's going to be a rebuild I mean we all saw it coming and then and then now with this win this unexpected win it's like you know now the playoffs are back on the table and if you if you make the playoffs you know who who goes I think regardless it's going to be a change at the top with Ted Phillips you know there's that the the the, the rumor of him of him stepping down out there you know, I think from a PR standpoint, that's probably the best way to go. He's, he's in his 60s. I think it's time for him and for the Bears to make a change at that spot. But then beyond that, like you said, if they're in the playoffs, do you fire Pace? Do you fire Nagy? I, I mean, we, we, we saw the Bears fire Lovey Smith when he went 10-6 and six and missed the playoffs. So if the Bears go 9-7 and seven and sneak in, do you make a change at GM? I, I think the only thing that really might save – and, and, I, and I hate the fact that I have to even talk about this. The only thing that might save Ryan Pace's job is, let's just say, you know, the greatest case scenario ever, Mitch Trubisky going to the bench helped him figure it out. And he is going to be that guy that gets the click. He's going to play like, you know, better these next few weeks. Again, we're talking about some, some poor defense, you know, come up, uh, except for the Vikings. But if he shows that he's the guy worthy of it, and then, then he, here's Ryan Pace. Hey, it took, it took my guy a little longer to figure out, but here he is now, you know, Mitch Trubisky, you know, he, he showed that he's, he can be the guy. I think that's all that saves Pace's job. It's again, that's the, that's the greatest case scenario ever as Bears fans is having it all click and all work out, you know, but, but, but then I think even then, I think the Bears have to go on a playoff run and at least win a wild card round. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think so. But at some point, Lester, now, what is this, 13 minutes into the show, I do think it's worth, like, we could talk Trubisky and playoffs and future all day long. And this game left a little too much meat on the bone for us to go straight into that. I know, like, the Packers game, you're going to jump straight into the offseason. But yeah. this one, there is one sub, or there's two subjects I need to talk to you about. The defense, but before we get there, man, isn't it great to have Rashad Coward off the offensive line and to see what this line <laughs> can do it's interesting I'll make this analogy and then I'll kick it over to you one thing that's interesting about Rashad Coward Rashad Coward is like are you a baseball fan at all lesser yeah yeah cool so Rashad Coward's a lot like for the Rangers it would be Joey Gallo for other teams it was Adam Dunn he's that home run hitter that when he does it right he's got the traits to make it look pretty good in theory but he strikes out a lot and he misses a lot, and he sends a lot of grounders weekly to shortstop, and he doesn't get on base much. Whereas, as much as I would say that Alex Bars is like definitely not a starter, and Sam Mustafer, he's surprising me. I, I honestly don't know what a starting caliber center looks like, but he definitely looks a lot better than Whitehair has 
unfortunately. Both of those guys, Mustafer and Vars, have been, in my opinion, exactly the kind of depth you want. They're more like the contact hitter in baseball, that they're going to put up a decent average. They're going to get on base. They're going to get to their assignment, even if their block isn't a pancake. Even if it's not a good block, they're going to get in the way. And sometimes in blocking, if Charles Leno has taught us anything, that's all you need. And I do feel like this Bears offense has been tremendously better in part because their offensive line has taken a massive step forward with the addition from subtraction and coward. Unfortunately, I do think it is that bad and a combination that's finally had three weeks of gelling together. And as I'm sure you would attest to, that's a big difference in an offensive line when you can just play together with the guys next to you. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the, the zone blocking scene with the Bears run, is it's 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 a technique based offense. It's it's the guys get on their tracks, you know, they they keep their their butts between the the ball carrier and 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 the lane they're creating, and they're just trying to create movement. I mean, they're not, they're not trying to drive guys off the ball. They're trying to get guys moving with flow. So if if that happens, and then you know now there's creases for the tailback to hit. You know, whether it's 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 banging it up you know, up the middle, going outside, or going or going back against the grain. You know, but the whole point of the zone blocking scheme is you want to move guys as far as the flow. You know, there are no true maulers on this offensive line. And that's, you know, you know partly by design is because you want guys that are, that are pretty good athletes. And then with, with Rashad Coward, I was, I was talking with, 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 with uh, a Bill earlier this week on his show. And, we, you know, we spent some time on Coward. It was just, like you said, it's night and day. I mean, he is just <sighs> – I, I got told Bill, he, he's the worst offensive lineman I've seen on the Bears since I've been a Bears fan. He just – he wasn't able to get it done. He had no consistency. He, he would have a few plays here and there, but nothing where, where I would look at him and say, yeah, he, you know, he deserves an, another week at that spot, whether it's right guard or right tackle. He was just bad. And I think – I'm not sure if it was, you know, bars and – with, with bars, you know, if maybe they just think, didn't think bars was completely ready from, from a mental side of things. Maybe it was that lingering uh, – a knee injury he had a couple of years ago in Notre Dame, kind of holding him back a little bit. But whatever the reason was, you know, they kept rolling Coward out there. And, and that was, you know, clearly, you know, a bad decision, you know, if, with, with hindsight here. And Bars, again, he's not a mauler, but he's, he's, he's pretty decent from, 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 from a, a, a technical standpoint. He has pretty good feet. He has pretty good hands. You know, and, and a big, that big, that, the, the big run with Montgomery, I, I was talking about on Twitter, you know, he, he had a really key block there where, where he worked to the second level. And, he, he, you know, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't, you know, kill his guy, but he got his body in the way of the flowing linebacker. And that was just the crease that Montgomery needed. And then, then he went, you know, for the touchdown. It's the Leno thing. I mean, it sounds so silly when I say it, but Leno's going to earn in the eyes of almost anybody that watches him like negative style points on almost every single blocking assignment, but he gets in the way and he doesn't whiff a ton of them. And that's kind of exactly what bars is doing. And speaking Kevin of Kevin Harlan, you know, real quick uh, in, in mm-hmm. the broadcast, you know, Kevin Harlan must, must've mentioned Leno's name, making a good block like four or five times. Yeah. He did. Now, is, that, is that just the Kevin Harlan thing where he always make, make, makes those calls? I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched a lot of his games, but it's, <laughs> It just seemed weird that a Bears offensive lineman was getting called out by the, by the guy, you know, for, for doing something good, you know, so often. It was really and it, strange. And it was so funny, too, because it was always in passing. It was like, and a good block by, or like, good throw, or good run by, or vision here by Montgomery. Nice yeah. block by Leno. And, and he is sandwiched in the middle. And I kept weird. going, what? Uh, but another guy that I do think has been really helped by this transition, stop me if you've heard me say it before, is Jermaine Fady. 
because Jermaine Fady seemed to be, and you saw it last week, really struggling in a lot of these key assignment run situations. Like fourth and ones, the Bears keep going to the guy who's closest to a mauler on their team, Ifedi, in theory, and he keeps blowing them. We saw it on fourth and one against Tennessee. We saw it on fourth and one last week against Detroit. Uh, we've seen this a lot. And the Bears running scheme, especially with Montgomery, really, really, really likes to run inside. Like, really likes to run inside. If there's one criticism about Montgomery, it's that whether it's because he's a step slow or he's not as explosive out of his cuts as he is into them, meaning that he can change the angle but can't actually accelerate. Tariq Cohen is exactly the opposite Bears fans this really weakens his ability to get horizontal and create yardage outside the tackles especially off of like what what do you call it it's uh it's bend bang and bounce right so the the bounce choice I don't think I've ever seen Montgomery choose to bounce a run. And what this means is, is that if who's been struggling as a run blocker, kind of coward, like where if he hits it, he hits it. And if he misses, he misses. This has really helped Montgomery like gain a little bit more yardage on more plays more often on the inside that actually have a hole. And if you're seeing what I'm seeing, Lester, David Montgomery is nothing short of special dot, 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 once he gets about three yards downfield. If he's three yards downfield yeah. and can engage either a linebacker or especially a defensive back, he's able to throw that stiff arm or make a cut and just blow straight by him. The 80-yard run that we saw today is no different from the 57-yard run that we saw against the Packers, is no different from the 40, 50-plus-yard run we saw against New Orleans. If you can get him three yards downfield in space, He'll make a play. And I got to credit whether it's Castillo or Nagy. It took him way too long. That's criticism. But they did finally make the change. And I think it's really helped the Bears running game. As soon as it helped the Bears running game, it helped the Bears go play action more often with confidence because they seem like the kinds of guys who legitimately believe you need a running game to do play action. And that is a different debate. But given that that's how they feel, they got the running game moving. They made the offense two-dimensional regardless of what teams they were playing. And I think it's been a huge underline it, capitalize it reason that Trubisky's resurged like he has, and he has resurged. I think part of the reason why the Bears feel more comfortable running play action now is, is because they trust the offensive line a little better to hold their blocks. You know, the, the, the play action pass, you know, it usually takes a little while longer to get to set up back there. So I think by the fact that, that you have a, a group in now that is, you know, they played, you know, uh, three straight games. I think now maybe with, with Bill Lazor and Matt Nagy, I think they may trust those guys to hold their blocks that split second longer that they need for Trubisky to make his fake, you know, and then turn back on and, 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 and try and find what's going on with, 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 with the, the, the tight ends and receivers out there. So I think that's a big part of it. Again, the running game helps, you know, being able to run. It's, it's not, it's not necessary. You know, just the, the action of it is usually enough uh, to get those linebackers just a slightly a tick off where they what they want to do. And then again, you know, the, the motion stuff that's one with uh, a pre-snap too. I mean, we, we saw the Bears run some some jet motion action today, and they actually snapped the ball. You know, while that was that guy was still a threat to the defense, and that that helps the the linemen get better angles on their blocks if if if, if the DBs and, and the LBs are flowing a little bit. You know, all those little things that happen that, that you see in, in, in the Rams offense where they're always running that kind of that, that jet motion, you know, that's not just to fool the, the defense. That's to help give angles to your blockers as well. And I think that's something that we saw the Bears do today where they haven't really done much this season. 
they were better screening today than they've been I Screens mean, too. all season long. The whole and offense was clicking. It was the nice. whole offense. It, it was great. And there's, there's nothing but positivity. And I do not care that they scored three points after that field goal right at the start of the second, second half. Because in my opinion, again, at that point, the Bears had reestablished offensive presence. They went from a 23 to a 26-point lead, technically four possessions. And you can kind of mentally turn it over to the defense and say, hey, as long as you guys don't blow this, we've got this under control. And, and they did. So I'm not going to criticize them just as much as I'm not going to compliment them for what they were able to score on the Packers after they went down 10 to 41. Same difference yeah. in my opinion. But this thing was humming. That last touchdown drive that they had to Allen Robinson, I mean, re- I don't want to say really good teams, but it takes guts for any team to score with 11 seconds left on the clock. And I'll take it. I mean, Allen looked good. Trubisky looked good. Mooney looked good. Miller laid a block on Mooney's touchdown haven't seen him do that in three years uh I mean when it started to feel like the the impossible or the undoable was happening on the field is enough to put a smile on any Bears fan's face especially with how much we've suffered on the offensive side of the ball for years exactly I mean like you said the, I mean, the Bears did coast in the second half you know but you know their defense shut Houston out in the second half as well the Bears had, had two field goals only you know the offense really didn't move as much as it did in the first half you know I mean you would like to see a, a really good offense you know really step on the on the defense's throat in that situation just you know just score 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 you know but I think you know the Bears aren't to that point you know they may, they you know they may never get to that point you know but the fact that they were able to this game for a Two minutes that says a lot right now absolutely and once we come back from the break we'll finally talk about the other half because it's chicago we love defense in this town and this defense is more than worth talking about on this day but first we got to give our sponsors a word so let's let them have the floor and we'll be right back what does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape this is scott galloway host of the prop g podcast and an entrepreneur myself Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
And we are back with Bear With Me as Lester Wilfong joins me to talk about this 36 to 7. I am getting that right, right? My, my uh, vision got a little hazy there. I kind of stopped paying attention <laughs> with like five minutes left. Nobody scored. I think it's 36 to 7 win over the Texans that was nothing short of a blowout in part because the defensive pass rush was ferocious on a day where they really needed to be as early in the game it didn't seem like they were affecting Watson much who was missing every relevant weapon on the Texans uh what is it Will Fuller wasn't there Randall Cobb not there as well as a couple of other receiving threats that would have Brandon made Cooks a di- was out today yeah mm-hmm. what it could have should have made a difference in this game but they weren't present and it didn't seem to matter for those first couple first downs until all of a sudden the Bears pass rush started ripping through Khalil Mack was spectacular I would I would tell you that I think he took over the game alongside Bilal Nichols, surprising enough. And his uh, arm tackle fumble that he forced reminded me of the Julius Peppers forced fumble against Calvin Johnson from like, oh my gosh, what was that, 2014's Detroit game? The yeah. one where Brian Urlacher was mad they didn't shut him out at the end. But yeah. uh, it, was, it was one of those plays that made you go, dang, okay, that guy's built different. And seeing that as well as the rest of what this defense was able to do was nothing short of just as fun as watching the offense you know what I mean you know I think the Bears I I saw a a, a tweet come by and they said this is the first time the Bears have had seven sacks in a game since uh, the Michael Haynes era and if you can you know that's that's taking things back you know pretty far he was the the draft pick I believe when the Bears got you know they got Rex Rosen and Michael Haynes in in the same draft so 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 that's how long it's been I think I think since the Bears have had seven sacks and then you know the guy that really you know that was really up there with it, you know, was, was Roquan Smith, you know, 12 tackles, you know, two sacks, you know, he continues to play like an all pro. And, you know, I'm not sure if, 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 if he'll make that because, you know, those, those, you know, that's, that's still partly, you know, a, 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 a popularity contest. It's, it's partly because, you know, teams that are winning and if the bears, you know, if they stumble here in the next few weeks, you know, he may not get that type of recognition, but, I mean, he has been, you know, phenomenal all year long for the Bears in, in pass coverage, in blitzing, and against the run. He has been a uh, – the, the Bears, you know, I guess you'd say this year, he's probably been the, the Bears' best defender. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he hasn't been, he's been right up there. And yeah. what I think, uh, personally, when you talk about Roquan with All-Pro, it's funny. I could trace it back, Lester, to one play. Just one play. If Roquan Smith catches that interception thrown by Drew Brees against New Orleans and runs it back for a pick six, I legitimately think he's an All-Pro favorite right now. Like, it's just one play, but a game-icing interception against a generational quarterback, and that would have put him, I mean, on national TV, no less, because it was the game of the week at the time you're finally bleeding into that like 7 p.m slot and because of overtime literally all eyes are on you before sunday night football that would have been huge he didn't make it oh well that's okay we've seen enough development from him to be happy with it but what i think i'm most impressed about so the bears over the last two weeks i think it's fair to say their defense has gotten annihilated i mean it's gotten torn apart aaron Rodgers followed by matthew stafford which you never want to see because one of them is the second seed in the nfc sure you can take that and the other one was last place in the nfc north and put you back in there uh for like a week uh so you don't like seeing that and a lot of it was because chuck pagano was I'll call it trusting his guys you know he was dropping into more or less the same coverages he switched to a lot more zone than man man had gotten him killed against Aaron Rodgers but Matthew Stafford didn't have any problems picking up the zones and the Bears pass rush didn't get home at 
all. Credit to Bagano, what he did, at least based on what I saw, he didn't just blitz Roquan Smith, he blitzed him at Khalil Mack's side. So if Khalil Mack was on the right side or on the right side of the line, he would blitz Roquan either up the middle on the right or actually on the edge on that right side, which is the defensive equivalent of double teaming an edge rusher. Instead, he's double teaming the like pass protectors and giving Khalil Mack more true single blocks without or with the without the help that the defense is nor or offense is normally able to provide and mac eight guys up again mac had a sack uh especially that like ending one that drove the uh texans out of field goal range was beautiful roquan picked up sacks this is how you make two guys or you take two really good players one of them a generational edge rusher the other a very good linebacker and you let them shine you let them play together they played off each other perfectly it was Awesome. Super fun to see. You know, I think one, one thing we have not seen Pagano do much, you know, during his time in the Bears is we have not seen him scheme sacks open very often. I mean, like, like but, 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 but what, what he's doing now is he's starting to understand what he has to do. You know, you have to start, you know, you have to start sending those blitzes at guys that, that are getting doubled. You know, that's how you, how you get things set up. You know, the, 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 the delayed blitz, you know, the zone blitzes, you know, you have to mix things up. And, and like I said, I think Pagano was just kind of, you know, he was trusting his talent to make plays, and at some point, you, you know, you, you got to coach. I mean, you know, you, you have to coach these guys up. You have, you have to scheme these things open. You have to scheme these stunts open to where they're going to have, 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 have the guys on, on, on uh, one-on-one blocks. You have to scheme these guys up where they have a, a guy against a, a, a tailback. You know, I like, you know, anyone on the Bears against a tailback, I like that matchup for the Bears. I mean, I think mo- mo- most guys would take that. And you have to have a coach that's willing to scheme, scheme these things up and send those guys, you know, in these moments. It does help, you know, ha- having a really big lead, you know, so, so, so you actually can, you know, go after the quarterback. So that's, that's something that the Bears have to keep, keep on doing here. But, but I think with Chuck Pagano, I, I think, he, you know, he has his issues, yes, you know, but I don't think he's able to ever do exactly what he wants to do here because of the, the situation he's been in as far as the Bears offense. So, you know, we'll see moving forward what happens here, in, 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 you know, against the Vikings and the Jags. You know, I'm, I'm hoping for a little more aggressiveness because I think that's what the defense wants. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the Pagano situation is a lot more akin to the Nagy situation than meets the eye. It's like Matt Nagy used to get criticized all the time, right, for abandoning the running game. And the problem was the running game, whenever Nagy would use it, was terrible. So most of the time, anybody that said Nagy abandons the running game could easily be met with, I would also abandon the running game. How would you not abandon that running game? It's not very good. But then against Detroit, we saw Nagy abandon, or not abandon, but use a running game that was fully functional a lot less. And especially after the two-minute warning, he he and his staff, because I assume he doesn't have no input on the play calling. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But he and his staff chose to drop back and pass twice instead of using even the slightest hint of play action. But now we're discussing old wounds. The point is with Pagano, we could easily say exactly what you said. They've had a lead. They, or they haven't had leads in ages. And then against Detroit, they kind of helped blow a 10-point lead with that 95-yard drive that made things a little bit too easy for the Lions. But we will have to see. I mean, 
I don't think Pagano has been at Fangio's level, but then again, I didn't think Fangio, I thought Fangio was a little overrated for his first two years in Chicago and went out on an incredibly good note. So yeah, I, I'm still personally learning about defense. I can tell you that totally honestly, but what I am starting to worry about is Chuck Pagano is known as a defensive back wizard and Eddie Jackson is starting to look worse and worse and worse every week, both touchdowns and the touchdowns I'm talking about here. Cause you may look at the stat sheet, see that there's only one is the touchdown that did happen and then the dropped touchdown that was wide open and glanced off the uh, Houston defenders hands in a way that I don't think I've seen in the NFL in a long dog on time were both I think you would say Eddie Jackson mistakes and they're only one of them's a mistake because the second one the drop Eddie Jackson blew a coverage that looked like everybody was in man but Jackson who passed his man to nobody uh and the other was more of a, like a, it was an extended play situation and Jackson didn't trail Kiki QT, uh, left him and ended up leaving him wide open. And I would only rag on him for that because he's getting paid 10 plus million dollars to play safety. Uh, but either way, he's somebody that I saw Stafford pick on him a couple times last week. Aaron Rodgers certainly wasn't afraid of him throwing deep on that uh, touchdown that put him up like 35 points. Packers scored a lot of touchdowns. The point is, Lester, is that for somebody who I think is supposed to be a defensive leader, I don't think he's having the impact that even Khalil Mack is, given that right now it seems like anytime he's getting targeted, which is rare, but when he is getting targeted, he's almost never taking, let alone taking the ball away. He's never even getting it on the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think he, he had a down year last year, but that was because teams weren't, weren't you know, they weren't really testing him as often as, as the year prior. Then this year he's having a down year, but but he's getting tested. I mean, he's having teams go at him. You know, it's I'm, I'm sure it's not part of the game plan as far as, hey, let's attack, you know, Jackson. It just kind of happens in, 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 it happens in, 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 the, in, in the flow of the game to where, you know, that's just happens to be the guy that they're going after. And I think with Jackson – you know, we've seen him up against a real tight on the line. We've seen him back deep in center field. You know, I think right now Chuck Pagano's not sure where the best place is to play him. And it just seems that that he's, he's you know, like you said, he's, he's lost in, in some of the coverages. You know, you know he, he's still around the ball quite a bit, you know, but he has no picks this year, correct? Oh, no, he doesn't. And you he know? had so, a, yeah, he shot at one. Down. He had a shot yeah. at one today. He didn't catch it. Uh, and it was it was right in the gullet, which I'm not about to say it's like easy. It's not Mac or Khalil Mack dropping the one against Carolina easy. I think it was Carolina. No, it was Tennessee. Uh, but the point is, is that it's definitely a regression that if I didn't talk about it, I feel like I would be big dishonest. Like, I don't want to just sweep under the rug the fact that one of the defenses by almost anybody, like look at Madden, ask a fan in a bar, anybody will tell you Eddie Jackson is one of the best players on this defense. And right now he's not really playing like it. And that's something that we need to see change because he's signed through 2020. Five, but that's or I think it's 2024 he opens up at 2025 yeah. simple correction but either way it's not what you want to see from him and pretty much everybody else had a great defensive day Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller were what you'd need but more important the pass rush was nothing short of imposing today and it showed what this defense could look like if the pass rush gets their things in gear because they were dominant you know, going back to Jackson real quick, I see a lot of fans on Twitter and, and you know, they're saying that, you know, he got his bag and, and now he's just coasting. You know, I'm not quite sure that's, that's, that's what's happening here. I think it's just, you know, he's just not as good of a fit in what Chuck Pagano wants to do as he was a fit in what Vic Fangio wants to do. I think it's just a, a, a thing with the schemes there. They're, they're uh, different enough to where, he, you know, he, he's just not the same exact player. Cause I mean, it's, I mean, it, it, 
you know, players get paid a lot in the NFL, and, and that, that's, that's what fans always want to say, oh, you know, he, you know, he's paid, and now he's lazy. You know, I'm not quite that sure that these guys are, are quite wired that way. I mean, these guys are pros. I mean, they're playing at, at the top level. You know, I mean, th- this is the ultimate goal is to, is to get the big paycheck, and, and I can't see a guy like Eddie Jackson just kind of, you know, just deciding to just shut things down, you know, you know, with, with, with the huge deal that he signed, he's the highest paid you know, player in, 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 in the whole league in his position. You know, he's mm-hmm. just not the best fit for what Pagano wants to do versus what, you know, Vic Fangio did. First of all, like you're talking about, I've seen that a couple times. I saw that with Leno. I've seen that with Mac. I've seen it with Quinn. I've seen it with Jackson. I, I'm sure we would see it with Allen Robinson, uh, even though it feels as if Allen has this habit where you remember that 20-yard gainer Mitch threw down the sidelines that Allen hauled in that was absolutely a contested catch, but Allen made it look extremely easy. Yeah. When he does that and then drops a 50-50 ball later in the game where he had a hand in his face, but the ball did pass through his hands, it starts to make Allen Robinson look like, quote-unquote, he's dropping too many of these balls because you forget the ones that he does catch that are so yeah. so nice and easy or even the, like, fully stretched ones that somehow we forget about because, okay, 20-yard gain, let's move on, and you forget the drop, uh, or and you think about the drop. The point is, Eddie Jackson, at least based on what I've seen, Lester, if I was going to speculate, I think he's really trying too hard to live up to what he was. If that makes sense. Yeah. All this talk about guys don't read the the internet, like they don't read social media, garbage. I, I in yeah. fact, I've seen. I saw Alan Robinson call out Jonathan Wood and Ross Reed the other day. Two Bears fans liking tweets. Talk, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like they, they read they read what's on the internet, and there's no doubt that Eddie Jackson knew he deserved to get paid. At least I think so, and and is trying to make that paycheck worth it. Like he wants to win games just like anybody else. And he does that through interceptions. And it's funny because what I've seen, Lester, is that Jackson will get baited more than a lot of other safeties. Tashawn Gibson is not good enough to get baited. He's the kind of guy that you'd throw a fake at and he wouldn't react because he knows he's not good enough to try reacting to it. So if you just made the cut in the first place, you'd have beaten him. But instead you didn't. You ran right into him. And he's like, man, I'm, I got lucky. I'm, thank you. Um, but it's funny because you look at Jackson. And if a quarterback stares too hard at one guy, Jackson's breaking on it, like immediately. His recognition is still very good. The trouble is that without a dominant pass rush like we had in 2018, the ball is almost never coming out early. It's only yeah. coming out on time. And, if, and in some cases, according to the defense's cadence, it's coming out way later than it should. And that's going to murder any safety downfield. Because in the modern NFL, I think you'd agree, Lester, if you've got four and a half seconds of time, somebody's open. Like somebody's going yeah. to be open. And a defensive back cannot just magnetize the ball into their hands. They have to actually show up in the spot to make the interception before the quarterbacks, like before the ball reaches the quarterback's intended target. And with so many targets under 10 yards or like under 10 yards, nobody's really throwing like the deep middle over the, or on the bears, which is where Jackson sits, which pushes Pagano to shove him up the field in coverage that leaves the back end open. It's rarely Jackson that we're seeing get picked on, on like long loping balls. He used to make interceptions on 
But at the same time, obviously that means he's never able to attack underneath routes because quarterbacks can sit too long. And that means he gets antsy, wants to prove himself. And at least based on what I've seen is starting to gamble a little more than you'd like him to. And he's losing most of those gambles. It's tough to watch because some of it, sure. He's making mistakes. Like again, you can't pass a guy off in man coverage. That's your man. You got beat. But also some of the other ones, you can just see a guy who's trying to be the elite safety and is overplaying his hand at least that's what i'm seeing does that make sense yeah matt's a good point i mean he, he does seem like a guy who is his is getting his, some of his extra chances he's taking this year and 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 and, and uh in, in in 2019 you know he you know he's not cashing in because like you said the pass rush you know isn't as ferocious as it quite was and again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to it again, but I think in 2018, you know, we saw the Bears offense, you know, at least function at, at, a, at a decent level to where, you know, they were putting up enough points to where, you know, the ball, you know, the ball was coming out quicker because the pass rush was getting home more, which led to all those turnovers. I think that's something that, you know, it's, it, it's all, it, it's all uh, uh, synergy. You know, you have to have a decent offense to allow the, the, the defense to rush the passer. And, and, you know, it, it happened today, you know, seven sacks, you know, the, there were no picks, but, you know, the, the balls was out, you know, a, a, few, a few times, you know, the ball was there for those picks to happen. It just didn't happen. You know, I think the more you see that, the more you see the offense, you know, put the Bears defense in a, in a good a good situation, I think we will see those turnovers come again. I mean, it, it, it may never get to that same level as 2018, you know, but again, with, 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 with a competent offense, you know, you have Mac, you have Jackson, you have Smith, you know, you have enough playmakers, you know, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, Hicks, uh, uh, I you know, and, and let's real let's real quick talk about uh, uh, a guy like uh, Bilal Nichols, who you know he is your nose tackle this year. You know how much better would would he be if he was playing defensive end with with a guy like Goldman back at nose? Because you know I, I like Nichols, but he's not a nose tackle. I, I think I think the best of Bilal Nichols may happen next year. And like you're talking about, I mean, what's funny about it? So. In my personal opinion, the only reason that Danny Trevathan's snap counts are as high as they are is because Nichols can't play that nose tackle position. Somewhere, I think it was around like week four, right after the Bears played Tampa Bay, actually, so a little closer to that, the Bears decided, okay, this whole having Nichols and John Jenkins play two-gap defense, this isn't working. Let's not. So they turned Bilal Nichols into a one-gap nose tackle, which he's been way better at. It just means you have to have a linebacker fill that gap because you don't just leave the gap unaccounted for. That's ridiculous. And it's exactly why, in my opinion, you've seen, despite the fact that Detroit can't really rush the ball against anybody else, they're able to do it against the Bears is because they can pick on the fact that more guys are one-gapping, which means you can throw a bunch of like schematic blocks and traps and whatnot and catch guys out of position. I'm, you've seen it, and Adrian Peterson is outstanding at getting to the correct if there's one thing his veterancy has brought him it's that his vision is even better than I think it ever was and his ability to shake the C gap and get into the backside B gap is I mean it's really good and he's made a lot of great plays against the Bears but like you're talking about Nichols in that same breath would be way better playing next to or with Eddie Goldman Eddie Goldman's presence on the defensive line is sorely missed even though weirdly enough if this if you don't believe that the Bears pass rush has taken a step back. Here's something funny for you. Did you know, Lester, that the Bears, despite the fact that you could name way more coverage players like Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson, Kyle Fuller, 
Eddie Jackson. Uh, I can't name Buster Screen anymore. He's kind of a <laughs> non-factor. But the point is, you could name more excellent Bears in coverage than you could pass rushers. Even so, the Bears' passing defense is actually worse than their rushing defense nowadays. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that even without Goldman, what they really miss is that ability to rush that passer and keep guys fresh. And now Nichols has to be like IDL2 basically, whereas he used to be a complimentary piece. And it works the same way with wide receivers as it does with defensive linemen. When you've got that help, you're able to blossom. You know, we're talking about pass rushers. I think we have to mention the uh, the Robert Quinn experience again this game. You know, he just was like the uh, Leonard Floyd experience today. Like that, yeah, yeah, that missed yeah. sack was way too reminiscent, unfortunately. You know, it, it's, it's funny you mentioned Floyd. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, Leonard Floyd, you know, his years with the Bears, he always had a lot of pressures. He just wasn't getting home with the sacks, you know. And then and, and, and right now we're seeing him get home a few times, which, I mean, he's still pretty much the same player. He's a he's – he is, and he has always been a very good football player. You know, the Bears signed Robert Quinn to a huge deal because they wanted more sacks from, the, from that spot. And, you know, I think he had a, a few pressures today for sure, which was, you know, for him – whoop de do that's great to see out of, out of that guy but he had one sack that just missed you know so this is the guy that again he is not you know his, the, the 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 contract is huge he's stuck here with the bears for a couple of years you know and then the, the the loafs from him that are that are that are on twitter are just uh, it's ridiculous oh yeah i mean he is he is a guy where i think the most positive thing you could say about robert quinn and i was actually talking to brandon thorne about this who i think is one of the best offensive defensive line experts look at your name drop and i love it well i was talking to him not on like dms (laughs) but like on twitter basically my my big theory about the floyd quinn thing because of course floyd leaves soldier field and immediately starts popping off in la so what's the rationale there and i think it might be because soldier field could be one of the lowest playing fields in football and if that's the case guys like Robert Quinn who speed rush is the name of his game like Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks they can speed rush like Khalil Mack could speed rush you but there's always power embedded in every single one of his rushes and if he wants to bull rush you he can which even he's taken a step back in production if you think about it since he's been in Chicago but Robert Quinn he went from I think it was like one of the most productive pass rushers per pass rush win rate in football to extremely middling and Floyd went from one of the worst pass rush win rate guys in football to a little better than average maybe it's just the change between Soldier Field and Turf to go with everything else. And if that's the case, I would have loved for Pace to have done his homework a little bit better. But either way, like you're talking about, it's it's not a fun experience to be a part of because the NFL is not going to be sending a refund for the fact that the Bears signed a guy that can't play on grass and is struggling to function in a league allowing offensive holding more than ever, uh, uh, especially against edge rushes. But again, you don't get a refund. You just get to sit on the contract, and it's a long one. I think Ryan Pace, you know, go, going back to him really quick here, I think he kind of misevaluated, you know, just, just kind of the pulse of the league. I mean, you know, putting so much money into his defense in this day and age, I think was a, was a bad call from him. You know, I think that maybe one of the reasons why he is going to be, you know, you know, not having the Bears job next year is just because of the, of the way he decided to allocate his funds. I think, you know, this day and age, it's, you know, like you mentioned, you know, you know the, the holds aren't being called, you know, you know, it is an offensive league. 
You know, you have to dump your money into the offensive side of the football. And I think whoever the next GM is, you know, if there is a next GM, I think that's, you know, I think that is the, still the plan. You know, he's going to have to rectify the Bears cap situation and get some more money over there to the O-line and, and, mm-hmm. and the quarterback spot. And, and you know, you have to – I mean, it's nice having a great defense. You know, you know, we're all Bears fans. We love it. But let's be real. You know, this is not, you know, the, the 80s or the 90s. You know, you have to win – with offense, you win with your quarterback, and, and that's what the Bears has to do moving forward. Absolutely. And one thing I think is funny, like you talk about the offensive holds. I remember a day and age, Lester, where we used to complain about the Packers holding on every play, even though it has a name. Like that David Bakhtiari block where you see him get both his right and left hand inside the shoulder pads, like from the arm socket. I don't know what you'd call that otherwise. Hopefully y'all know chest, what I mean. The chest plate? The chest plate it, right there? No, no. Like the arms, the shoulder pads, oh, like yeah, the yeah, caps yeah. on the pads. When they grab that, that is called a hug technique block. Oh, it, has yeah. a, it has a name. And that doesn't even compare to the holds that people are getting away with on a week-to-week, game-to-game basis, where you're seeing the choke holds, the arm bars, the muggings, all that stuff's going uncalled. Like, it takes Charles Leno with his big, long arms really killing a guy to draw a hold, and even that's in the run game, not the passing game. And so, like you're saying, for the Bears had to have, what is it, not technically this year because his cap hits like $6.7 million, but $40 million loaded into edge rushing, it's kind of the wrong wrong moment and I feel bad for the guy because I don't think anybody could have seen the league cutting offensive holding in half overnight but it like you're saying it's one of those where you look at it and you say I didn't see this coming but it's not like it shocks me so it's it stinks right now because certainly the this situation 40 million in edge rushing isn't changing anytime soon though hopefully they can continue to produce at the level they did today at least Khalil Mack because this was super fun to watch and made a big difference on a quarterback whose only touchdown came from extending a play and they were able to deny that a lot well let's let's see what happens next week the Bears got uh, have have uh, Robert Quinn rushing on the fast track in Minnesota on the turf so let's see if he can earn some of that money next week and uh, really get this Bears playoff gear uh, really, 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 you know, really pushed up. Ooh, do you know how loud I'm going to be if he gets two sacks and like a force fumble <laughs> or something and everybody goes, where's this Robert Quinn been? I called it. It was the <laughs> like, turf. It would, be, it would be so interesting if nothing else. But at, at this point, Lester, I think we've put, to go, uh, put a good show together. Let's give some final thoughts. What are your final thoughts about this Bears game? You know, like I said, you know, I'm never going to cheer for a loss. You know, I thought it was a fun game. You know, it was a fun 60-minute game. You know, there was some some really, you know, nice flash plays on offense, nice flash plays on defense. Mitch Trubisky played well. You know, he was really, you know, calm and collected in the pocket for the most part. He, there were a few RPOs where he really made the correct read, and, 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 you know, he did his job correctly. You know, if this is the Mitch get moving on forward, that's good. The defense, you know, keep making plays. And like I said, playoffs – it's a reality. It may happen. It's weird, but you know, it's going to happen. But then, you know, let's worry about the issues at quarterback in 2021 in the draft. Let's worry about that when the time comes to worry about that right now, let's enjoy the bears. Let's enjoy what's happening. And then let's see him. Let's see him make that run to the postseason. Absolutely. So my final thoughts are, are goofy. Cause like this game was a weird one. 
You know, I, I was as of about a week ago, fully dead set on the bears needing to lose all their games so that we could try to draft a quarterback and not sit through effectively like 19 months of quarterbackless football. Cause if we don't draft a quarterback in this year's draft and, and Mitch leaves, which I assume will happen, Nick Foles is the leading candidate to start or a free agent or a traded up quarterback. Even though we don't have much draft capital, you get the idea. But even so I'll, I'll pull out like an almost cliche response to this. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. You know, like we get the game we have today and to start speculating about like, when could the bears win a championship? Well, that takes away from the fact that we watch this entertainment product most Sundays, uh, like especially during NFL season. And when they win, it it is a lot more fun. So while this win may have robbed us of just being totally candid, while it may have robbed us of a quick reset in 2021, it puts the Bears back in playoff contention. And we knew this was a chips pushed in year. We knew that all along. So if the Bears are going, even if they drive to eight and eight and they don't get it, like it's, it's going to be a bummer in the long-term sense, but at least we'll get to beat Houston and Jacksonville in that, or, and I guess that would be one more win too. Huh? But the point is, is that at this point, I don't know how to feel about the Bears' long-term prospects. I think their shot at making the playoffs is low. I think their shot at resetting at quarterback is equally low. So I I don't really know what they do. They're not exactly flush with cap money to sign a Dak Prescott or like a realistic option for the franchise in free agency. So we could, just because of this win alone – end up setting up for a year where we take like two offensive tackles in the draft and roll with Foles and see how it goes. But we will get there when we get there. As for this specific week, it was really fun and deeply cathartic. I'm not going to pretend it wasn't to see the bears with Mitch Trubisky whip Deshaun Watson's Texans. It made (laughs) me feel at this moment, like the bears are in a better place. It's fun watching David Montgomery play behind an offensive line. That's at least a C minus. And I, I am more excited than I want to admit to see how things play out from here. And I think that's a good thing. That means it was a good game. It was a good game to say otherwise would mean that like you, you really are more into the off season than you are the on season. And I get it. Some fans are that way, you know, but this, this was one of those games that for somebody like you and me that like watching the games and seeing how they play out, it was fun. (laughs) Bears whipped them. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's uh, that's about how this one was. It was nice to have a week 14 game for the Bears come out and surprise us. And it's literally always better to watch games like this and Detroit than the Tennessee game, the Vikings game, the Rams game, and these other just beat downs that just make you sad on a down-to-down basis. So <laughs> at this point, Lester, I think we've said just about all that we can, unless we wanted to start another podcast, which we could probably fill an episode. But could, yeah. <laughs> at, at this point, Lester... Uh, where can folks find you online and what do you have coming up? Just like you, uh, windycitygridiron.com. You know, I'm, I, I got stuff in the works all the time. I mean, we're going to have a lot of stuff, you know, even though the Bears are, are pushed for the playoffs, you know, we still have a, a, quite a bit of draft stuff coming up on the site as well. So uh, we're, I think we're still in, in the midst of our free agent look at 2021. That's, that's kicking off. You know, we have a two parts already go. There's, there's two more parts to go. So there's always stuff popping up. Plus, of course, you know, make sure everyone checks out the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel as well to hear this show and, and, and all the other fantastic shows we have. 
Thanks so much for the uh, thanks so much for the spotlight there, Lester. Yeah, make sure that you check us out. Leave us a review if uh, it, it anything like what, even if it's a bad review, we, we like the reviews. They help us get better. And any feedback that you have about this show, what you are and aren't enjoying, is more than uh, we would like it. But until next time, Bears fans, because this has been a wild one. Bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. And that's going to do it for this week's show, folks. Again, feel free to follow Lester Wilfong at WilfongJR on Twitter and find his work on Windy City Gridiron, where we will be keeping all the Bears coverage that we can close to you all throughout the rest of this season, potentially the playoffs, and of course the offseason and every season in the future. So once again, Bears fans, until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.